talk sports, but we came here to win. The most legit podcast, that's why we know you're tuning in. We cover the biggest news, we underdogs, but we can't lose. So trust the process, yes you, because we got Chris and Anshu to bless you. With the best features, best stories, we diving deep like a Lambo leap. Wake up, kid, and stop snoring, we on point just like this beat. Bring the passion like the talk path, in the cold, get a gold brand. Sit back and raise the cat, because we start this show like right now. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of The Underdog and Chris Wardell joined as always by the one, the only, Anshu Khanna. Anshu? Chris? How are you? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I didn't know you were waiting for like a second part to that. Uh, like, it was on, a, you know uh, the shit. Yeah, it's a little peckish. I like it. It was just a yeah, little Yeah, that's right. Um, so. <laughs> oh, banter. <laughs> yeah, banter. Uh, can <laughs> I tell you that, uh, so, you know, and anyone who listens to the show knows I'm not a big fan of watching, you know, sports programs, non, non-live sporting events programs on television. Like I'm not your, your first take guy or your, your, whatever the, 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 the undisputed, the, undisputed. Thank you. That's the other example I was looking for or, or even sports center, but you are a Clay Travis guy though. Oh, dad. Yeah. I love it. Just love, I can't get enough, but, um, uh, I'm not sure who that is, but. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. But I decided okay. for myself that I was going to, you know, as I talk about sports for a living, uh, I was going to, I was going to start watching Sports Center again. So sure. I've been watching Sports Center. I've now watched two episodes in the last eight years. Humble brag. Got both of them. Wow. Are and you serious? <laughs> yes, that's true. And wow. on, uh, I watched Sports Center this morning as I was sitting at, sitting at the, uh, the desk in the office and, uh, I was, I was watching, a show hosted by Ellie Duncan and Matt Barry, two people who I'm I'm not super familiar with. But the thing that really struck me is like SportsCenter now, and maybe this is a byproduct of the fact that we don't have sports going on, and I'm sorry if this comes off as me taking a shot at anyone, isn't very good. And Ellie Duncan and Matt Barry have no chemistry and don't seem to like each other. But other than that, <laughs> other than that it's really, really good. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean, I think that much like it's always been, Sports Center is like tiered, and um, you know, and especially because of the fact that there is a lack of sports mm-hmm. right now, like it really is dependent. Shows are dependent on chemistry, which is why this show sucks so much. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I think that like for them, especially in the midday, like I, I think that they could do a better job of putting certain personalities on. At this point, though, ESPN has done such a job of (laughs) cutting certain people out and, you know, focusing a lot of their money on certain higher level personalities that have kind of like their pick of the litter in terms of timing and style. Like think about like SVP as his own show. It's literally sports, sports center with Scott Van Pelt at Mm -hmm. night. Right. And it's not a typical sports center at all. And I think that, you know, those guys that like we are long since past the days where, you know, you get like, you know, I mean, I, I this isn't, and, yeah, this isn't Berman and Dan Patrick in the morning. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Like even like the Greenbergs and the big polished personalities, whether you like them or not, they're, I mean, they're, they either have their own show, they have their own radio show. They're on one of those shows that come after sports center on ESPN. Um, so yeah, like at this point they're, they're just, you're not going to find them on sports center. 
Yeah, I thought it would be beneficial. I don't know that it actually was. Um, I, I I will continue to uh, try to watch a little bit more. I know these are real first world problems. I have to watch cable in the morning. <laughs> but uh, I, w- I will try to watch a little bit more as sports actually return. No offense to the Premier League, which I believe ki- kicked back off today. But yeah, it said no interest at all. And it wasn't. They moved from sports to sports entertainment so long ago, and this iteration of sports entertainment just isn't entertaining. Well, you know, they're burning through their stuff very quickly. (laughs) There's going to be the need for a lot of new content here very, very soon. Um, Because, you know, like, usually it's mostly updating people on sports with little nuggets and whatnot. I would imagine production meetings are... You know, if they're a week in advance, they're thinking heavily about like, okay, we have this event. This is our reaction to that event. And, you know, they have like backups on backups on backups. And now mm-hmm. they, they're just, they're torching through everything. And, and it's tough because like, how long can you spend on something like, you know, the collective bargaining agreement that everyone's already sick of talking about? So, or the anyway, KBO. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. An incredible yeah. segue from you. And I'm sorry I stepped on it, but yes. <laughs> With that in mind, let's talk about the thing that everybody's sick of talking about. It seems like we're much closer to the end than the beginning of this deal. Um, you know, it, some part due to the fact that Major League Baseball players are effectively shaming Rob Manfred publicly at this point. <laughs> do you think this thing's getting done? Uh, and do you think it's getting done soon? Uh, yes and yes, I do. I, I don't know that it's... I shouldn't say I don't know. It's not going to be what everyone wanted. Like, I think it would have been great if we could have gotten a 78 or 80 games, as we've talked about in the past. Mm -hmm. But it feels like it's going to end up landing around 60 to 65. I think the players are going to get their prorated salary for those games, maybe even a little bit more, just as a show of good faith. But at the end of the day, I think both sides will be pretty happy um, with how it works out, especially because expanded playoffs – are going to be a great thing for the teams. And I really don't know why that wasn't part of the calculus from the beginning because playoffs are money. So, like, the more teams you have in them, the longer they go, the better for everyone, for the networks, for the league, for the te- for the owners, and for the players. And, um, oh, maybe, I mean, the only <laughs> downside would be the players, like, running their arms into the ground, which is certainly a possibility in this case, in this shortened season, um, you know, that no one's really prepared for. So, I think that that's, that's maybe the only downside, but the players are still going to get paid and compensated fairly for that amount of work. So I think it's going to end up getting done, and uh, it sounds like it's going to get done pretty soon. Uh, it's, I don't know. I, I feel like we've, we've had, been wrong before. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was going to say. I feel like we've been optimistic about a deal getting done before, and uh, it, it just it kind of has to now, or there's a very real risk we're not going to have a season. I know, you know, take – Take him uh, for what he is, love him or hate him, but uh, Fauci believes that we shouldn't be playing baseball come October, so everything's got to wrap up in September to be safe. I don't know if that's going to be feasible. Mm. I just This is it's such a mess, man. It is. I mean, and the thing is, we, we've talked about it for weeks and weeks, and, I mean, baseball, no matter how this ends up, hopefully they get it done, but they bungled this badly, no matter what happened, because – it sounds like opening day might be around July 19th. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were talking about July 4th and they could have gotten that done had they, had they had this conversation then. Yeah. And, um, you know, maybe this was always the owner's plan was to sort of 
voice these really crappy proposals on the players, <laughs> hoping that they do it, hoping that they do it, and then they get their bluff called very publicly. Um, and at the end of the day, Rob Manfred looks like, you know, the worst commissioner amongst the big three, three sports mm-hmm. and by far. And, um, you know, the damage is certainly done. And they both the players and the teams have lost two weeks' worth of, you know, goodwill, basically. And, uh, you know, yes, maybe the teams would have lost a little bit. Um, you know, the owners claim that there's like this, the break even point is, you know, around 58 games or something. But I, I just, it's really hard for me to believe that. I obviously don't see the finances, but, um, I think at the end of the day, it looks pretty bad for them. Yeah. Well, you have to wonder about the secondary benefits of just the increase of popularity being the only major American professional sport to be playing for, you know, three right. weeks is, is gigantic. You, you're going to bring in fans that aren't, you know, maybe weren't going to be fans. Otherwise mm-hmm. you're going to have a spotlight like you've never really had before in a time when people are just starving for something to watch and something to engage with. It is, you're right. It's a giant missed opportunity. And it, instead of lasting three, three and a half weeks, maybe even, you know, basically four weeks, if they would have started on July 4th, it is, it's now going to be 11 days. Well, right. And I, so again, the, with all that in mind, baseball coming into this year, even without the coronavirus, we were talking about how it is a localized sport mm-hmm. that has trouble with stars and, you know, making their stars more, you know, have higher Q ratings and become more marketable. This was an unbelievable opportunity thrown at the laps of the owners and Rob Manfred, and they just basically tossed it out with the bathwater. And it's just, it's an incredibly stupid and yep. you know short-sighted move on their part and don't forget their actual cba comes up after this next season after mm-hmm. the 2021 year and this is not doing good things for that relationship between those two sides no this is just a hester but uh yeah it is what it is you know at least we should have a baseball season we won't have a minor league season despite the fact that we welcomed some new players into the major league baseball family this past weekend Hmm. Obviously, or this past week, you and I spent a lot of time talking about the uh, the Major League Baseball <laughs> draft in the past. Didn't you know? I, I would say it was uh, <clears throat> there were some surprising picks early on. Uh, Her- uh, Heston Kerstead going two, Max Meyer going three, amongst others. The the Blue Jays just set themselves up for an incredible future, spe- uh, specifically in the infield, adding Austin Martin from Vandermilt, but. It seems like uh, we get to pick 11, aren't you, Kana, the Chicago White Sox, and you're less than jumping for joy. Yeah, that's right. Garrett Crochet uh, from Tennessee, who, you know, there were thoughts. I, we barely touched on him in our show, but he was he was a, mostly a reliever. But um, that last day, it sounded like the Sox were pretty hot for him. Um, obviously, like, top, top-end stuff. But mm. um, there have been questions about, you know, Certainly the arm, the, the shoulder, apparently they shut him down for a little bit of Tennessee. Um, he got nailed in the jaw, uh, in the year before his junior season, then came back and pitched 14 days later after breaking his jaw. Um, but there were thoughts that maybe that shutdown was actually, you know, a character concern related mm. situation. So hasn't come out at all otherwise. And the Tennessee coaches seem to love him. So I'm a little questionable on that, but that is something that Van Grass put out there. So. It's at least at, on the back of various fans' minds. I think it's certainly mine. And so, um, yeah, not not super pumped there with some of the, the arms on the board, including your boy Nick Abel. So um, that was 
that was a little bit tough, but then they make up for it in the second round. So all's well that ends well. Yeah, make up it, uh, make up for it in a big way in the second round. If let me ask you, if these two picks were flipped, how would you feel about the draft? If Jared Kelly was to pick at eleven and Crochet at forty-seven? Yeah, I mean, I would be thrilled because yeah. Crochet was still looking like a twenty-ish selection, probably, and it was more like about the people on the board. But to get Kelly, who was in my mind clearly the best player available at forty-eight oh, or yeah. whatever it was forty-seven, I mean, it, it was. It was sticking out like a sore thumb, which tells me the Sox had basically gone in and said, all right, once he gets past this this pick, we're basically going to give him like a first-round type slot and then just toss away the next three, and that's exactly what happened. So very, very happy that they got those two guys. That is exactly what happened, taking uh, Wabash Cal- uh, Valley College from Illinois uh, <laughs> pitcher Addison Coffey, taking Cade McKelves from Grand Canyon University, another pitcher, and Mm -hmm. uh, all pitchers for the White Sox, and Bailey Horn from Auburn, a uh, fourth-year junior, again in the fifth round. Horn at least is a a little bit more interesting than the other ones, but man, three and four are purely just, we need to save some money. That's Oh, yeah. I mean, they'll sign them, but I'm sure they were looking at guys that, I, like, I was watching that draft. Amazingly, I don't know why, but at, I was at, too. At that I point, feel bad. Yeah, they they didn't even have like words to say on the White Sox third round guy. I mean, Jim Callis is just like, man, we go to Jim Callis, and he's just like, I, I, honestly, <laughs> I don't know. He's like an average sized guy. <laughs> he had nothing on his uh, on his list of attributes except for athleticism. So, um, you know, I mean, it was. It was clear that that's what they were doing, but totally comfortable with it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, with a draft like this, we wondered, it, will it benefit teams that, you know, have these deep scouting departments and go heavy with, you know, value all the way across their five rounds um, and use the, the strength of a bigger scouting department? Or, you know, will they go all in on either one or two way over slot guys? And it seems like the Sox opted for uh, the latter there. Yeah, I was pretty impressed with Billy Barber's first draft in Philadelphia. To get uh, Mick Abel there at 15 is great. Personally, I you know I was a I was a Mitchell fan myself. Might oh have, yeah, I, your I number met, one guy basically. And, and of course, he went to uh, he went to play with Kristen Yelich over there. Mm-hmm. I, I see them as uh, as that's basically his upside in my mind is Yelich. Um, wow. Probably never hit, never has the power that Yelich does, but uh, God, I love uh, love Garrett Mitchell. Come, mm-hmm. You don't have a second round pick because of the signing of Zach Martin, so they come back in the third round and take a giant upside pick. Zach Wheeler, yeah. Zach Martin. Yeah, so they signed Cowboys <laughs> offensive guard Zach Martin in a surprising move. <laughs> but you know, durability is going to be a big thing in this new baseball season. He's got the frame mm-hmm. to be able to pitch a lot of innings. Uh, they Eagles come, could use him. You know, oh, oh, oh. Thank you for that. Uh, Sorry. I had, I had to do it. Yeah, thanks for that, buddy. Uh, they come back in the third round with a high upside pick in Casey Martin, which is uh, really, really yeah. an exciting pick. If if everything clicks for him, this is a potential all-star Major League Baseball player. It's just mm-hmm. there is a lot of uh, – he's your very, very classic low-floor, high-ceiling player. But in the third round, I oh, mean, yeah. you got to be just thrilled to to have that guy on the board and to be able to afford him, especially after Abel. I thought that Abel would come majorly over slot. And mm-hmm. then, you know, not that they'd have to mail in the rest of them, but, you know, you basically have to go under slot second and then 
you know, maybe you're slotted third, but that to get him with that third rounder, it's basically a second round pick, which is really nice. Oh yeah, the uh, the number thirty seven prospect on MLB.com to get him at eighty seven. That's uh, a solid. And you're absolutely right, especially with no second round pick to save money. It seemed like this was definitely going to be a money saving play, but he's going to come in over slot, which is surprising. Definitely uh, went to save money in the fourth and fifth rounds. Carson Ragsdale, a, a gigantic six eight two hundred and twenty five pitcher from South Florida, who's predominantly been a reliever, but has some success as a starter. Uh, last season and Baron Radcliffe from Georgia Tech, a guy who looks eerily like Ryan Howard and hits eerily like a <laughs> late career Ryan Howard. Uh, 250 batting average at Tech, but top of the draft type power. So it, it was very clear that they, that Barber was prioritizing tools and upside over actual, mm-hmm. actual ability at this point. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's tough because, like, they didn't even have this last season. So, yeah. like, what is actual ability? I mean, you're, sure. you're, you know, you're hoping to see those tools manifest themselves or in some of the lesser tools manifest themselves. So you're really like, I mean, you've got a high floor in certain of the areas and, you know, you just bank on that and see if your coaches and your system can't develop the other ones. And I think that, again, I think this draft is going to throw like I, it, it's going to be fascinating two or three years from now mm-hmm. to just see like which of these guys have made their move up the board because I it, like I don't think anyone really knows for sure but it'd be it'd be great to see. Oh, it's going to be fascinating. I, I couldn't agree yeah. more. And this is especially an interesting draft because you know not only are we not going to have a minor league season this year, but there's likely contraction coming to the minor leagues. So. I don't know. I, clearly, the clearly the White Sox were in a similar camp as the Phillies here, where the White Sox went for five pitchers. Uh, Philly goes two pitchers, and all seven of their unsigned uh, draft picks were pitchers. This is just a case of it's easier to find a place for guys to pitch than for you know to add bats to a lineup. Right. Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And I mean, I guess again, it's like I I wonder if maybe two or three months ago. Teams were kind of saying, thinking like, all right, if there's a draft, which there probably will be, it'll be mm-hmm. shortened. Where should we focus? You know, because like, it's just hard to cast such a wide net with so much uncertainty in my mind, at least. And so I think that they, I think that's a smart way to go about it. Agreed. It's going to be, you know, it's, it's weird that these guys aren't going to play for a year. Uh, some teams are already trying to get these players to sign 2021 contracts, which is reprehensible to me, uh, you know, given how baseball contracts work already. And they, no team needs an extra year of control from these guys, keeping <laughs> them away from yeah. free agency. But you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Hopefully we have baseball in uh, in some form soon. I mentioned that uh, I was watching SportsCenter this morning, and I guess the big story of the day is <laughs> – Chargers coach Anthony Lynn said, hey, maybe we would consider giving Colin Kaepernick a workout at some point in the future. Uh, and so that's a story somehow now is it's weird to me that we keep talking about Kaepernick. This guy hasn't played since 2016. When he did, he was one in 10. I have nothing but respect for what Colin Kaepernick is doing off the field, but what he has done on the field has been mixed at best. And I kind of feel like his legend is so much more powerful than his actual ability at this point. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I understand your perspective. I, like, he didn't win a lot of games, and he was kind of thrust into the role because he, he didn't come in as a starter yeah. that year randomly. It was, I believe it was Alex Smith still at the time. Um, but that being said, I mean, I, I think that it's more about, like, the principle for sure. And and I hear what you're saying. I I do think that, like, the NFL, there are a lot of systems, including the Chargers, by the way, where – Colin Kaepernick could be a useful piece, and maybe it's not always as, you know, the starting quarterback, but I, I do think that, like, it's easy to forget how good he really was, especially as a runner. I mean, I have nightmares about what he did to the Packers' defense in the playoffs multiple times, and mm-hmm. that was with a heavily pro-style off. I mean, Greg Roman was his offensive coordinator, so we've seen, you know, what that system looks like for Baltimore now. But, you know, I, I think it'd be... I think it'd be really interesting because Anthony Lynn, same kind of system, like a, a run first, but, you know, heavily run option. And, you know, he wasn't a bad passer. Like, But I do think that the best point that you made is, like, just not playing since 2016. I mean, I know we saw Mike Vick leave the game for several years, but that is, like, an otherworldly talent in terms of the arm and the legs. And so – but, I, you know, I think the point remains, like, I – He's good enough, and he's still, what, 32? Like, I think that he's good enough and young enough where he could still at least deserve a tryout, and that is really what the issue is. Like, there's no reason Colin Kaepernick should not be on a roster right now in my mind. Well, th- the reason is a very clear reason, and that's because backup quarterbacks are meant to be seen and not heard, and that's you know, that's not what you're going to get with Kaepernick. I thought it was funny that uh, Pete Carroll came out because the Seahawks were the last team to actually work out Kaepernick and his reasoning for not signing Colin Kaepernick was that he believed Kaepernick should be a starting quarterback in the NFL, not a backup. That's so such that's such bullshit. Yes, yeah. classic bullshit. Because the <laughs> yeah. one the one thing you never want is to have a starting quality backup quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's, that it was theoretically fits your system. Yeah, it's it's garbage. He's you talked about him fitting in in San Diego uh, and lost whatever. And uh, <laughs> whatever they are now, irrelevant with the Chargers, uh, is he better than Tyrod Taylor? I don't think that's necessarily obvious. No, I. That's a perfect way of putting it. I don't think that's necessarily obvious, but Tyrod Taylor is a top five, top three backup in the league, if not a starting caliber quarterback. Yeah, and the reason I would not, I think that's. The only reason I wouldn't maybe sign him to the Chargers specifically is because I've got Herbert, obviously. But mm. if you wanted to like put him on the back burner, I think that it makes sense. Like, I mean, look, RG three is a backup for Lamar Jackson right now. There is no way you can tell me, like, with a straight face, that these two guys aren't at least comparable at their, you know, maybe not in their primes because RG three was a phenom, but like at this point in their careers, I, I just. I think, you know, the NFL does owe Kaepernick the ability to at least play. And I know that there's been a lot of, I think reasonable minds can kind of disagree on whether or not he still, all things being equal, would would still merit uh, like a shot at this point and whether or not it would be more like, you know, almost insulting to him to give Mm -hmm. him a shot so many years after his prime um, but like, I think that it would still be a really good sign if a team, if multiple teams tried it out. And I, I do think they will. I think that Colin Kaepernick will be on a roster if he wants to, um, this coming season. But I, I think it's fair to say that he doesn't necessarily deserve 
I, I mean, he deserves a shot to start, but Cam Newton's sitting out there too. Right. You know, and like if Cam Newton's a free agent, like it, to me, <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I'm taking Cam over Kaepernick every time right now. A hundred times out of a hundred, Cam's a, right. he's a former number one overall pick and MVP of the National Football League. Obviously, he's got some injury issues, but Kaepernick just never rose to that level. Even in that great season when he had in 2013, that I would, you know, I would also argue that the, a big part of that 12 and four record in San Francisco was due to the defense, not the offense. He contributed 25 touchdowns. 25. That is it. Yeah, I, I yeah, I think that I, it, I want to be careful here. I think that he was at that point one of the. 10 best players in the league probably though like certainly quarterbacks and I and even that last season like I'm not going to attribute quarter a record to like a quarterback every time I mean I know yes if you win a super you got to win a super bowl to be considered an all-time great but I don't think you need to win a ton of games to be considered like a good quarterback I mean you're not it's not all on you and especially that last season he was pretty good. Like, yeah, fine. He was one in ten, but you know, he completed almost sixty percent of his passes. He had, almost. you know, a sixteen to four, sixteen to four touchdown to interception ratio. I mean, those numbers are better than a lot of starting quarterbacks right now, and that doesn't include another, you know, couple touchdowns rushing. I, I just, yeah, I don't know. I think that you're, I think you're forgetting a little bit of how good he was at, like, especially at his peak. Um, uh, that last year, and it's just you. You talk about that last year, you. <laughs> He contributed in 11 games, well, playing in 12, he contributed 18 touchdowns to the offense, both passing and rushing. It's nothing. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, and it was, he was not below a good 60%. Team. It was a very bad team. So there's a lot very of really bad. bad teams where guys can still throw touchdowns or yeah. run for touchdowns. He's a running quarterback. He's yeah, a, I mean that would be more the fault to me that he didn't run for a lot. But yeah, he's a running quarterback who's never run for more than six hundred and thirty-nine yards. Now I know that that's a, a big number for quarterbacks, but yeah, it's, it's a it, huge. Number. But it's it's not, not Lamar Jackson. We're not talking about right. And I think I think the emergence of Lamar Jackson is a big part of the reason that Kaepernick is still relevant. If Lamar Jackson didn't exist, if we didn't have a quarterback playing that style of football, or even Kyler Murray now. Nobody's talking about Lamar. Nobody's talking about Kaepernick anymore. Other than, hey, do you remember when mm. when that guy used to play football? Yeah, I I don't know. I'm going to disagree with you because he was still. They made the Super Bowl. Like they were they were a favorite multiple years with him at the helm. And yeah, the whoa, end, well, what are the multiple play. years they were a favorite? Well, they won the Super. They made the Super Bowl. Probably should have won it. And then the year after that, they were obviously the favorite to go back there again. And, you know, and then the year after that, I believe he got hurt. And so, and then Harbaugh leaves as well. So I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I don't want to conflate the two issues too much. Like, I do think that like his, his obviously vocal stance is part of it's of, of course it's part of what, why, you know, he hasn't gotten a chance, but I, but to say he hasn't gotten a chance because he wasn't very good, I, I just think that's that's the point, that that just can't be true when you look at some of the other shitty quarterbacks that are populating the NFL. Like, I mean, again, I think Akeem Hicks or, or someone tweeted out, like, mm-hmm. we signed Mike Glennon. I mean, it's it's there are so many, so many bad quarterbacks. I've seen so many terrible backups enter the fray for the Packers that I would have just killed for Colin Kaepernick instead of, Brad Humley or, or friggin' Deshaun Kaiser or whoever else. And so 
I do think that like just getting the chance, and this is a problem. This is like the systemic issue that, you know, there's no telling what Kaepernick could have done had he had his chance. And, you know, he may, he may never get that chance again, especially because of his age and time away from the game at this point. But it, it is a shame to me because I think that there was a pretty decent chance he could have at least contributed or at least seen if he could have contributed. And that's the problem. Yeah. I, Mike Glennon's a weird guy to bring up. I, I get in evoking his name, but he was kind of a highly thought of guy at that point a little bit and got a giant contract. It's not like this was some backup quarterback. He should not. Have, oh, no. no agreed completely. Like, no, agreed, agreed completely. But that, but I think it's a little, it's a little bit in hindsight to say that like, this is not signing Chase Daniel or somebody like that. People at least had hopes from Mike Glennon at that point. But even then, you, I mean, fine, Chase Daniel, ignore, ignore Mike Glennon. It, there are so many guys that got deals, that got tryouts, that got, you know, multiple, multiple, multiple chances. And Colin Kaepernick's ceiling was way higher than any of those guys. And I think that's a shame. And again, the Packers are one of those teams. So I can stand here and say that, like, my favorite team, this up pretty badly and mm. i i feel i feel like he has been cheated much like many black coaches have gotten cheated because of the Absolutely. fact that they and we've talked about this have they didn't get a chance to rise up through the ranks and i i do think that like whether or not kaepernick was good at the end and i think we can agree that he wasn't nearly good enough to be considered like a starter at the end of his career or you know maybe not nearly good enough but he wasn't he didn't deserve like a starting caliber opportunity right at the end there but i think that he definitely would have ended up landing somewhere like there's just no two ways about it in my mind my issue is that i want my quarterback to be accurate and even talking about chase daniel chase daniel's career completion percentage is 10 points higher than colin kaepernick's it's just like yeah i i'm not gonna go down that road it's not even close between their two merit like their two calibers but but, the, but it's also worth pointing out that those two guys can't play for the same team okay but there's a million that if we went down the list of backup quarterbacks right now in the league and, yes and like put Kaepernick's name he'd be in the top like at at the time he was blackballed by the league mm-hmm. where he didn't even get tryouts by the way Agre- like, hey, I, mean, I, I agree he was blackballed 100 percent yeah so that's all I'm saying. Like he just got, I think he just got screwed out of everything and he never gave him, he was never given the chance to ascend to, you know, like a guy like Ryan Tannehill, you know, he comes, he gets traded, he gets signed, he, you know, I'm sorry, he gets traded as a highly thought of one time, highly thought of that, you know, starting young quarterback gets a chance. And now look, now he's got this absolutely massive deal. Like Kaepernick just never even got the opportunity to do that. The argument that I would make is, and I I completely agree that Kaepernick was blackballed. There's no question about that. But you know, Eric Reed was also very vocal, and I would mm-hmm. argue also blackballed for a period of time. But he ended oh, yeah. up getting his chance, and he came back, and signed a really nice contract. So what yeah, is different between fair. Eric Reed and Colin Kaepernick? Well, we know what what's different between them, and it's it's okay. Eric Reed is a slightly better player at that point, but not. Significantly so. It's because Cab represented everything. No one's talking about like I'm with Eric Reed. You know, it but, was. But Kaepernick would that be the case? The lighting round. Roger Goodell blamed, like admitted it himself. Would that be the case I mean, if this if these were the, these positions were juxtaposed right now? If it was Kaepernick that was now a, a middling backup quarterback for the Ravens 
and Eric Reed was the guy who never got a second chance. No, it it would not. Okay. There's no way. It's there's just no way. It's it's because he's a quarterback because of how good he was, I think in some ways. And just he was the first one to do it. It was Cap's movement that Eric Reed certainly is a big part of and deserves credit for being a, at the front of and having the courage to do it, but like I think that I I mean I think that your original point about it being a quarterback is certainly a big factor too. Fair enough. I will say that we're we're nearing the end of our Marvel movie watch through, and Cap is Captain America to me, so it's very confusing. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I agree, and I think we're both on the same page that Chris Evans has been blackballed from the NFL. Yeah, and the MCU, <laughs> and, and or he blackballed himself. Well, he uh, he he likes to. It's funny because Chris Evans is is very much not Captain America off the screen. So I, I've always enjoyed. I've always enjoyed him playing that role. And I also like thinking about the people it could have been. It was almost Krasinski. Would have been weird to see how oh, man. different that would have been. I'm relatively sure Krasinski's going to be Mr. Fantastic in the Fantastic Four. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah we'll see. He's uh, good. Oh, he's great. And and Marshall Ali coming as Blade, It's assuming we ever get movies again. That <laughs> segues very nicely. The availability of Marvel movies segues very nicely into the other thing I wanted to talk about today on Shukana. And that is the 110-page uh, document put out by the NBA outlining what's going to happen with this return to play and how things are going to go in Orlando. We're going to read each and every word. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, the we're hit the highlights of this. So since we have uh, last talked, the, the start of the NBA season has been bumped up one day from July 31st to July 30th. That's, that's great. I'll take it sooner. I wish we could bump it up another month or so. But uh, – Starting on July 7th, the players are going to start showing up to the Walt Disney World Complex in Orlando. It's going to be spread out over three days to avoid congestion and any unnecessary complications. I think it's it's interesting that they decided NBA teams, uh, their their hotels were going to be based on seating. The, uh, the Bucks, the Lakers, the Raptors, the Clippers, the Celtics, Nuggets, Jazz, and Heat, the top seeds in the best hotel, the Grandestino. <laughs> The Thunder, 76ers, Rockets, Pacers, Mavericks, Nets, Grizzlies, and Magic are in the uh, the Grand Floridian. And uh, the, the garbage uh, the garbage facility is going to host the Blazers, the Kings, the Pelicans, the Spurs, the Suns, the Wizards. That's the Yacht Club. Let's not kid ourselves. The Yacht Club is not like a Howard Johnson's. This is still a very, right. very, very <laughs> nice facility. It's not a travel lodge. Yeah, I... I do think, you know, they were trying to figure out how to benefit the higher seated teams yeah. or uh, the better teams, you know, like, I, I don't know that I don't doubt that this goes even close to being something that's a, a significant advantage. No but way. anyway, I, I just how else are you going to give them advantages? You know, I, yeah. I feel like you have to give them something at every turn that you can. So, yeah, there blame was... them. it's kind of a creative way around it. There, were, but I don't know. Have I've been to the Grand Floridian? It's incredible. So I don't. I don't. Know. I've never <laughs> been to the Grand Destino, or even know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's a newer uh, hotel, from what I understand. And I've I've walked past, but never been in the Yacht Club, so I can't speak to the amenity differences. But uh, it seems like that's going to be pretty minimal at best. And the ideas that were put forth, some made sense, some absolutely crazy. Like I can understand the higher seed having their their own court that they get to play on. Yeah. That's, that's cool. Right. But the crazier stuff like uh 
allowing the the higher seated team to designate one player who gets seven fouls and stuff like that. That's just, yeah, just yeah. silly. Well, what I thought they could do is pump, and, and it seems like Adam Silver is kind of leaning this way early in the process, but find a way to pump, use social media to pump in crowd noise, and um, you know, like have like re- a certain amount of retweets or likes or whatever mentions. However, you decide to do it, end up dictating like the noise on behalf of your team at a given time. So I don't know how you do that, but it would be interesting to me at least. But does that ca- that doesn't carry the same weight as it being live people in the building shouting obscenities at these players, at these opposing players? You know? Oh yeah, no it's, doubt. It's no, n- I mean that's close. that's the thing though. Knowing that the the baseline is like absolutely nothing, like no advantage whatsoever, I gotta mm-hmm. think there's gotta be some way to do it to pipe in noise or something. You know, I mean the Falcons have been doing it for years. How about no jump balls? And the uh, the the higher seeded team gets to determine whether or not they'd like to kick or receive effectively. Yeah, there you go. That's not bad. Something. I mean, I don't know how much a possession affects it, but do you want the you, know. you want the first possession of the fourth quarter? You might. Hey, yeah. Or I do, mean, I want every extra possession I can get. Well, but... the other nice thing about that, you could pretend you could dictate whether or not your your offense or defense is in front of your coach in the fourth quarter. Uh, yeah. There you go. That's not bad either. Well, that's I been, mean, it's beneficial. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. That's, I'm just glad we're getting basketball, assuming Kyrie doesn't screw this up. Um, what what a weird guy Kyrie Irving is. And he uh, – I feel like every group of friends has somebody like Kyrie Irving who's just saying outlandish stuff all the time. And at some point you just have to be like, yeah, all right, Kyrie, we get it. You're talking. How about him leaving the Nets group chat too? He's uh, just like – I don't know. I I don't want to – I don't want to pretend like I know what he's saying because no. I, I don't. I don't know the perspective, and I just I just want to steer clear, but I can say that it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And hearing voices, black voices specifically, mm-hmm. basically say, like, I have no idea what the hell this dude's talking about. Like, and just logically, like, I just – it doesn't make sense to me, and he is, to me, just – it's just funny because, like, he it, it was Kyrie and Dwight Howard talking mm. about not going. And of all the players in the league like, yeah, for real. Uh, that are that are not the most popular, let's say, um, it was interesting that those two were so vocally against, you know, going back. Or, or I, I just I don't understand I don't understand the point, I guess, yeah. of like why you wouldn't want to use your platform in a way. Like, I guess unless they think that they're just serving as entertainers, but when you perform excellently it increases the value of your voice every day you know every time you do something great okay and you're on this gigantic stage and that was you know (laughs) to to paraphrase the the statement from pat beverly if lebron say we hoopin we hoopin and uh, <laughs> and that's what's going on here. LeBron wants to play, yeah. so there's going to be basketball. We despite talked the f- about that last week too. Yeah, that was so great. Yeah. Despite the fact we're seeing record numbers of uh, of cases in 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 Florida every single day now, so that's cool. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but, but this it certainly seems like it seems like we're heading in that direction. And I'm always, I, you know, I was incredibly uncomfortable early on when Jared Dudley was the voice of reason. And then after uh, after Kyrie came out, another guy who I really don't like, and Austin Rivers put out a statement. And I'm like, oh, Austin Rivers makes a lot of sense. And then I'm like, oh, do I like Austin Rivers now? No, no, that doesn't sound right. 
<laughs> I like Austin Rivers. He he seems to have his head on straight for sure. Uh, I just I don't I don't have any I don't have any fundamental problem with Austin Rivers. I just is so overhyped and could never live <laughs> up to that that expectation going into Duke as the number one player in the country. But neither here nor there. Uh, I, I do think it's funny when when the Kyries and the Dwight Howards try to drag other players into this, and they're just like, "All right, settle down. Uh, <laughs> I get it. Yeah. I, I want change too." But I'm going to go play basketball. I was surprised um, because another voice I really respect is Damian Lillard. And sure. he kind of said, like, I get where Kyrie's coming from. But then I didn't really see – I didn't see him, like, specifically back the things that I that I think most people have issues with um, with respect to what Kyrie was saying, you know? And I, I – and here's the other issue. Kyrie hasn't like come out and said anything publicly. It's just kind of hearsay right mm-hmm. now. And obviously everyone knows that's what he said, but it would be maybe a little different to hear the context and everything. It's just, it's a, it's such a tricky thing to judge when you're not in either on the call or in their position. So it, I'm trying to be as deferential as I can without absolutely. just throwing them. And I yeah. I try to be as absolutely uh, walk the tightrope here because I am a Caucasian American. I am not an African American and I don't have the same struggles that African Americans do every day. Right. So, and God knows I, my heart goes out to everything that's going on. I just don't necessarily understand what Kyrie's talking about because... It's- how, and and Avery Avery Bradley is another one who is just annoying the hell out of me here. Who's even even when Stephen A. Smith comes out and he's he's screaming like like screaming at these guys for yeah of course this matters but where were you before this has always mm-hmm. mattered why why are you just speaking up now like even I, they, talk about not being comfortable siding with someone and I'm on the same side as Jared Dudley and Stephen A. Smith and I don't know where my life is anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, I think that uh, you know, like it's again, the fact that there are there are dissenting voices that are like I I think that would I, I don't know. I yeah, it's a tightrope and I don't want to I don't want to go too far into it because I think that we're just kind of talking in circles at this point, but I'm with you. I I I don't know. I think that it's a good I I think that it's worth talking about things that challenge our initial perspective. Sure. But it does feel like the whole league is rounding on something that's valuable and I think that, you know, we shouldn't confuse the idea of playing it during the Black Lives Matter movement being like a celebration or like a, a, the fact that, you know, this is over. It's it's more like it's a chance to put you know, a lot of, uh, in a heavily black league, a chance to give their voices increased value, you know, like, I mean, it's not like playing right after Kobe died or something. It's, it's right. just, it's a little different. And I think that that's maybe the point that Kyrie was trying to make was like, this is a, a sad time and a time of reflection. But I, I do think that it's, you know, I, I don't think that it's gotten to the point where it's tone deaf. And I think that the fact that there are again, dissenting voices saying like, yeah, that, it's it's time. It's a good chance for us to, you know, really, this is a time to be vocal and to, like, show what some of our gifts are and how mm. these people have a voice, an increased voice. I think it's it's a really great thing, and it might be something that he, he might be missing. Well, I think it's interesting that somebody like Avery Bradley would put so much of the onus on 
on the return onto the NBA and saying that the NBA has to do more. And okay, uh, the thing I would argue is, you know, the NBA more than any company potentially in the history of the world has contributed to generational wealth of African Americans. Like the NBA is doing and promoted it more than and anything. promoted it. Absolutely. Not, not contribute, not just contributing it, not just like, Hey, you're helping us make money. Thanks. Here's some cash. It's like, we, you know, again, we just watched last dance. Michael Jordan in the mid eighties is, you know, put front and center and not just for the sake of the league's finances, although I'm not naive enough to think that that's not part of it. Mm -hmm. Like they constantly, I agree with you completely. Like, I think that they've constantly gone. I don't know if above and beyond is the right phrase, but I think that they've done a very good job of being something other industries and companies should definitely work towards emulating. And I think Adam Silver in particular has been a great figurehead for that, starting with the Donald Sterling situation and moving from there. I just think the Kyrie stuff comes off as somewhat hollow because he, this is a guy with all the money in the world. He doesn't, I would guess there's, there's nine digits, you know, in his bank account. There's, he's almost certainly got a hundred million dollars in his bank account with NBA money plus, uh, uh, you know, endorsements and all of that stuff. That's not the case for everybody. And even Austin Rivers pointed out that like better or worse, there's a lot of NBA players who are living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, like, it's true. Like, not everybody can just Good point. and and I think Ed Davis said the same thing. It's like not everybody is Dwight Howard living in his twenty million dollar mansion in Atlanta. Like people need this money. Like this is right. This is money we're taking away from a league that's predominantly composed uh, a comprised of African Americans. Like, yeah. What, what's the benefit? I don't. Know. There's no benefit to not playing, but it's just. Mm-hmm. It's silly. Well, I don't, I don't know. the thing is, if, if it was focused on the coronavirus thing, which you touched on, then it's a totally different mm-hmm. circumstance. But I think that ringing hollow is maybe the right term that you put. I, I mean, I think that if it's somebody else, it maybe carries a little more weight. And I also think that it's like, it's just the, the logic of it. And again, this is why it's it's really dangerous because he, he hasn't come out publicly. He hasn't yeah, said something totally we can fair. dissect. So we're just going off of what we assume he said, but based on what other people have said that were on that call, I think we can make some assumptions and uh, and react like that because we have a sports podcast. Indeed so. Well, let's talk about what this is actually going to look like when players uh, do report to Orlando. Gre- uh, Greg, I sorry, I recorded a show earlier with today. Uh, so your name's Anshu, and <laughs> yes. Anshu... Uh, Has been for a minute. A a while. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, going back to the hotel situation, the Grand Destino is so, is so uh, coveted that if a lower team advances far enough, they're allowed to ask to move to the Grand Destino (laughs) from their hospital, from their hospital, (laughs) from their hotel. Uh, that's how, that's how coveted this this opportunity is to stay in the Grand Destino. So I'm fascinated to see this the next time I'm I'm in Orlando at Disney. Um, some other stuff. Each player is going to have to wear a magic band, a bracelet that serves as a room key, and a wallet throughout the uh, hotel and Disney properties. They're also going to use it to check players in on testing what they're not saying, and which I which I would be very interested in if I were a player is can they track me at all times with this. <laughs> Ooh, that's interesting. That that last piece is very interesting. And I mean, uh, uh, Silver said that it's not going to be a bubble per se. 
So, uh, but it yeah. kind of is. But kind of is. Yeah, that would get. Mm. That would get a little dicey. <laughs> yeah, especially with uh, especially with the snitch hotline that's been set up to anonymously report people who are uh, not abiding by the rules of the yeah, bubble slash not bubble. Yeah, it's very yeah. very dangerous. Uh, as part of this magic band, players can also wear a proximity alarm where it notifies the wearer if he spends more than five seconds within six feet of another person who also has the alarm. Uh, all, all team and league staff are required to wear these for players. I believe the proximity, proximity alarm is, uh, voluntary. Everyone is required to wear a face mask except when eating at a workout or practice in their room or swimming or doing something, uh, more than six feet away from another person really opens up there pretty wide at the end. All the food is cooked by Disney chefs on site. Each team will work with a culinary team to make uh, every effort to design a menu that fits the dietary needs of each player. Uh, Players can also have private chefs who prepare meals off-site that can be brought in. Disney is opening up uh, all their dining experiences for players and teams and uh, on the property, but outside the Disney bubble or having any food brought, uh, brought into the bubble can be problematic. They're doing all kinds of stuff for entertainment, all kinds of stuff. The hotels are going to have players-only lounges with televisions and gaming areas, including NBA 2K. They're going to have personal barbers, manicurists, and spa services. Uh, there's going to be movie screenings, which will allegedly include, tying into what we were talking about, some not-yet-released movies, including Black Widow in the Marvel <laughs> Universe. Um, I that, can't believe they included that. That's yeah. just so absurd. Hey, I want to go. I want to see Black Widow. So if I look, the NBA is adding extra players. I'm willing to be one of them. Uh, oh. I don't. I don't need to play. I just want to go hang out with uh, hang out with people and go bowl with Chris Paul and watch Black Widow. Um, I'm good on Chris Paul, but yeah, everything else sounds good. Uh, there's also going to be DJ sets. There's going to be card games, board games, bowling, etc. There's going to be ping pong, but don't forget, there's no doubles ping pong allowed. That is against the rules. Uh, what else? Uh, the, the pools at the hotel are available. They do know they're playing basketball, right? It's like- weird, but I, I think this is just a matter of like you can't control guys running into each other on the court. You can control contact off the court. I guess, yeah. Uh, yeah. Pools, pools are available, as are hiking and biking trails. Golf is available, but no caddies. Um, and then I guess we, we, we run into the other problems, uh, which is all players are encouraged to stay in the bubble. Arrangements are going to be made for major life events or emergencies, i.e. the birth of a child, sick relative, wedding, blah, 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 can be made with the league. They want as much advance notice as possible. While players are allowed to leave the campus slash bubble, it's easier if we call it a campus. Uh, that player will face a 10 to 14 day quarantine upon his return and will have mm. to have two negative tests. Also, the player will not be paid for any missed games due to leaving the campus or bubble. Mm-hmm. Uh, any team staff that violates the rules of the bubble or leaves the bubble without prior approval will be, will be removed without exception. If it's, it could be the head coach. He leaves the bubble. He's gone and can, wow. cannot return. Uh, players and staff have to sign a document saying they abide by the rules, blah, blah, blah. There's the, we, we talked about the, we talked about the snitch hotline. In the case of a player testing positive, if 
or to be uh, more precise, when a player tests positive inside the NBA bubble, he's immediately going to be moved to a separate location that they're calling isolation housing. The NBA is looking at rental properties outside of the Disney property uh, to <laughs> to use for their, their quarantine zone, I guess. Uh, that's going to be a weird conversation with the landlords. Like, hey, we'd love to put sick people in your home. Is that okay? Uh, th- that player is going to be retested to make sure it was not a false positive. Uh, teams in the league are going to monitor anyone who would have come in close proximity with any player who tests positive. The player can return to the bubble and his team after consecutive negative tests. Um, I guess the only other thing of importance, we're, we're going to be playing predominantly on – Predominantly on two courts, though there will be a third. The HP Fieldhouse is going to be the main court. It is broadcast ready. The arena uh, will have another broad game broadcast court, plus a couple of side courts. And the Visa Center has a court that can be used for game broadcast, but it's going to be primarily a practice facility. Uh, there's going to be four hours between games at any facility, allowing for cleanup and uh, sensation of the court. And they're hoping to play five to seven games a day during seating rounds. Cool. That's going to be fun. I mean, having, cause every game should be televised, I would think, especially in the playoffs. Um, yeah. so yeah. Yeah. I, I, they're doing their best. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot there. I, I think at the end, you know, there are two or one, the major thing is they're trying to lift liability, um, mm. in, in any way possible. The NBA is, and, you know, they have to foresee it. Um, I'm just assuming the the players are going to be signing waivers going into it that acknowledges that they're not able to sue the league for anything beyond, you know, what's re- reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, I, I think that I like the players are basically going to be the ones that dictate how this goes, obviously, in terms of like, do we want to follow this set of rules or are, are things going to get kind of spin out of hand? And, Again, the way that the season is arranged in terms of the timing, um, you know, there might be that second wave around that sec, uh, later into the postseason or midway through the postseason. And I think that that's, that's something that is, uh, gotta be concerning for everyone, obviously. And, um, you know, like I, I applaud the NBA for doing what they can, but I think it's inevitable as you kind of hinted at that someone's going to test positive and someone maybe really good at a really bad time because yeah. 10 to 14 days away is going to be, I mean, a massive difference with how packed in the schedule is going to be. Oh, for sure. The other thing that I didn't hit on players have until June 24th, one week from today to decide whether or not they'll be participating. It is entirely oh, up to them. Do you think we will have any interesting names who are not playing? No, I don't. I don't. I'd not, Definitely not of the contenders. And I mean, the contenders to me are like four teams, probably maybe five. Although, like we've said, like there's something to be said, and we'll talk about this over the next few weeks, but there's something to be said about the fact that this is all neutral and neutral court. Like, I mean, a lot of the home court advantage, uh, the home court advantage goes away. And so may, you know, maybe the playing field gets leveled and maybe that means even more people are more invested. Um, so yeah, I, the only thing I see is maybe some foreign players that aren't comfortable, as we've seen actually with tennis, kind of like with guys not wanting to come back to the U.S. Open here in a few weeks. Um, you know, I, I maybe there are a few players that just don't want to come back over, but I don't think anyone on any of the top teams is going to be uh, missing this because there's just too much pressure from the team. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> with the players coming back over in terms of the foreign players, I thought it was interesting that Luca's agent basically said, oh, he's not in shape, and then kind, right. of, kind of walked it back a little bit. But oh, no. uh, but that it was bad. Clearly, yeah. uh, the the point was made. Uh, n- even maybe bigger than the neutral site, because uh, th- this isn't the same thing as you know playing at a regular neutral site. This isn't an exhibition game played in Florida. Uh, to me, the biggest thing is this is a game played with no fans, and I wonder what kind of impact that's going to have on players because you know guys get their energy from the crowd mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. other other guys shrink up a little bit and don't want to look stupid in front of a big totally. group of people. I think it's going to be absolutely fascinating from that perspective for sure. Um, and I, yeah, I, I think that it's, it's gonna, it's going to be very tough for them to try to envision the fact that they still have the same amount of people, if not more watching at home, you mm-hmm. know? And I think that I do think that it'll feel less empty than maybe we think right now like because there are going to be staffs and you know i don't know if they'll let anyone in or probably not but other players um, are allowed your players are allowed to come in and watch other games right so you might get like a yeah i mean you might get a little bit of a a what i i just it's there's going to be a crowd i think at Mm -hmm. the end of the day not it's not going to be them you know messing around in an empty practice facility so I, yeah, I think that there will still be that momentum, and I think the players are going to sense from themselves how they're playing. But, yeah, it, it has the opportunity for great players to even look greater, but also, you know, really talented players, as you point out, that shrink up in, sometimes in big crowds to uh, really elevate themselves, their standing in the league. Can you imagine how much fun that would be? And I know there, there probably will be some level of piped-in crowd noise. But how much fun, be, yeah. how much fun it would be if there wasn't, and you got to hear. Obviously, not everything is being said on the court, but get more of a feel for it. And then all of a sudden, you know, let's say it's Sixers Rockets, and Joel and and Russell Westbrook are going back and forth at each other all game. <laughs> then then all of a sudden, like oh, the Lakers game's over. LeBron and Anthony Davis just walked in. Now they're sitting at half court, and you can hear them talking now too. Like that'd that would, be fun. It would be so yeah. much fun. It'd be cool, like a true campus feel. Yeah, that'd be that'd be really like rack leagues, you know, where you you know you're at you're at the it's court all day. AAU basketball is what it is. Yeah, right. There you go. Yeah, that would be really fun. Um, I think there will be a degree of like hearing more of what's happening on the court, though. I, I think that's part of the part of the sell in some ways. I I wonder because you know I would have thought that was going to be the case during that Seton Hall St. John's game that was played without fans, and yeah, it, it wasn't. Point. So that's right. It, it just kind yeah. of felt like a, a regular game without people in the stands. I don't. I hope we can. And do that was that. more eerie because it was like the cusp of everything, you know, and the fact that everything was going to end and we knew it. Everyone knew it. There was a sense of just awkwardness around that. Well, yeah, that game got was it canceled after the first quarter or halftime? They, they didn't end up finishing it. They, when when all right. the all the other games no quarters in college. No, well, that's an excellent excellent point, Ashikana, and I'd like to. As we do on most shows, uh, end with one of my ignorant comments. Uh, just no knowledge of anything I'm talking about. Nah, you're good. We haven't had sports in a while. We're, we're all it's preseason for all of us. And, I don't and postseason simultaneously. I don't even know what to do if when sports come back. Like how are we? What did what did shows look like before all of this back in the day? I, I have to re- check the tape. Check. I don't know. You couldn't couldn't pay me enough money to do that, but. Uh, <laughs> 
All right. Well, I think that's going to be it for this week's episode of The Underdog. For for Anshu uh, Kana, I'm Chris Forwardell. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next time.